Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. So great to see you guys today. Uh, it is nearly the end of 2018. I always like to, to kind of end strong. How about you? I want to finish what I started. I think there's something to be said about finishing what we start. And, uh, and so, hey, there's still one day left. Maybe, maybe you had a goal to start something. And maybe your goal, you know, maybe, maybe it was a certain number of pounds, for instance. And you might not be able to, in any sort of healthy way, reach that goal in the next 24 hours. But, but whatever your goal was, if you say, I, I, I didn't get it started, I'll, just, I'll, I'll get on that next year. You still got a day today. Why not do it today? Why put off till tomorrow what you could do today? Why put off till the new year what you could engage in today? That makes sense to everybody? Do you have a good Christmas? You have a good Christmas? I know for some, it's funny, like that word good is sort of subjective because for some a good Christmas is like you slept in. Anyone have one of those kind of good Christmases? Okay, there's four people who are not part of families with kids in them. How many people, for some, a good Christmas is like, oh, man, I was so excited I couldn't sleep. And that was a good Christmas. You with me? Some people, your good Christmas, it was, it was like a lot of people and a lot of noise. And for somebody, good Christmas was like you quietly in front of your own tree just chilling. Whatever your good Christmas was, I hope you had a good, I hope you had a good Christmas. And uh, as we head into the new year, I want to share uh, a message with you today that I, I think is going to uh, get us ready for a new year. And uh, this message is really, in many ways, it's kind of like, uh, like a meal made up of leftovers. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like sometimes the leftovers are better than the meal itself. You know what I mean? I mean, you start to put together portions of a Christmas dinner mixed with portions of like a Boxing Day breakfast mixed with, and you're like, man, this is just becoming a great meal. It's purpose fit for what I'm feeling right now. This, this message in many ways is kind of like the leftovers of the year that was. It's little, little pieces of the, the year we've had together. But I really believe that, uh, that it's going to be a, a meal that sets us up. Are you with me? So we're going to pull it out, we're going to warm it up, we're going to enjoy together. You can kind of pick at it if you want, and just take it, I want to share a lot of scripture today, and, uh, and that for you could be your own version of leftovers. You can just jot down some notes and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heat this up at some other point in time when I need it, and I think God's great with that too. Just having, having one in the deep freeze is always a good thing. One message in the deep freeze, you say, I'm going to need that one day, and I, I'm going to use it then. But I, I really believe God wants to speak to us today. I don't think uh, today's a throwaway Sunday. I don't think today is just, oh, we're just finished and then we'll, we'll get into the real, the real exciting part, which is 2019. We're going to stop and pause today and uh, dare to believe that, that God Almighty would speak to us. What a miracle that would be, right? That God would speak to us. I think there's no greater miracle. We look for sometimes things on the, on the outside to change in our circumstance or to change in the appearance of what's going on around us. But think of this. The God of heavens wants to speak to your heart today. God wants to use his word, this, this ancient manuscript, like a love letter written for all humanity to speak to our hearts today. Are you ready for a miracle today? Come on. Are you ready for a miracle today? Then would you make this your prayer? Pray with me. Dear Jesus. Today, I pause, I quiet my heart, I want to hear from you. 
Speak to me, Lord. I choose to be focused. Help me not be distracted. In your name, amen. Amen. If you're taking notes today, the message is entitled, Starting 2019 Right. Starting 2019 Right. Starting on a right footing. Today I want to talk to you about righteousness, about what it is to be in right standing, about what it is to have confidence in in the way you are standing in life and uh, upon which you are standing so that you can start 2019 off right. Foundation matters. Foundation really affects everything. What we build upon matters a lot. You know, last week, last week I received, uh, I received some hate mail. Anyone ever have hate mail before? Anyone ever ever like a hateful, whether it comes electronically or, or in the mail itself? I received some, some what I would call hate mail. The, 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 the message began with, uh, with profane cursing, and then it ended with, you're such a coward, I know you'll never respond to this. And then everything else in the middle was the bad stuff. Those were the good, those were like the, the nice bookends. And I thought, man, hate mail, hate mail. Merry Christmas to me. And it was received at such a time that I imagine perhaps the person who, who had uh, decided to, to write it maybe had, had hit the uh, eggnog a little hard, I don't know. But in their frustration and their anger, they looked for somebody to share their, their anger towards, their hate towards. And, uh, and this person I haven't seen for years decided to list to me all the ways in which I am flawed and in which I am imperfect. And he thought, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing how, how we can so quickly point out the flaws we see in others and, and bring judgment according to the, the flaws we see. But the reality is that my righteous standing before God has nothing to do with my behavior. It has nothing to do with my performance. It has nothing to do with how much effort I've put, put forward. The, the Bible from beginning to end is so consistent in this reality that our righteousness before God is a function of the faith that we put in him and the grace that he extends back to us. That, like, that's, the, that's the whole picture of this beautiful gospel message that would cause us to gather on a Sunday in the Vancouver Public Library and celebrate Jesus and talk about how good he's been to us and all that we expect. Well, the, the, the totality of the gospel is that reality that I've put my faith in a God who's promised to extend his grace back to me. And because of my faith and his grace, I'm righteous before God. See, righteousness is not moral perfection. It's just simply being in right standing. Righteousness is not, it's not like a, a, a guarantee that I'll never make a mistake again. And righteousness is not a term of comparison. Okay? Like, like the debate around, around I was going to say my house, but really pretty much anywhere I am. I, I'm a sports fan. Anyone else? Anyone else a sports fan? So I get around people almost, almost always at some point when you're talking sports, like really quickly, the conversation just goes towards the goat. 
the greatest of all time. In any given sport, in any given era, hey, let's talk about the greatest of all time. Like who, but who is the greatest in this sport? Who is the greatest in that sport? Who is the greatest in this era? And then some people, you know, they talk about, well, it's hard to nail down the greatest because the eras of sport have changed so much. And so instead they do things like, well, who's the Mount Rushmore, right? It's hard to pick the greatest, but who would be like the four faces that you say represent hockey? They represent football, they represent basketball, whatever, whatever given sport, the greatest of all times. And we try to take the Raiders. Come on now. Come on now, Shar. Shar's speaking out of emotion right now. The Raiders. You see, in this, this conversation is always built up and, and placed on and founded on statistics. Well, let's compare comparative statistics. And then, and then another argument comes in, you go, statistics aside, there's just like that eyeball test. Like you can see it. You knew it. If they had the ball in their hand, if they had the puck on their stick, it was just, it's, it, it, it transcends statistics. And then there's the, the conversation of, well, what about in the clutch moments? Maybe they didn't have the greatest statistics from beginning to end of the season, but in those big moments when you really need a goal, when you really need a run, when you really need a touchdown, who do you want in that moment? Because they're the greatest. This, this, terms of comparison and we come up with a conversation that results in this person outranks that person and this person over here well they outrank them all they're the greatest they're on the Mount Rushmore it's always these terms of comparison but righteousness before God is not a term of comparison righteousness in the in the eyes of God in standing in your relationship with Jesus your righteousness is not built on a comparison to the person beside you to the person behind you to the the generation that went before you or the one that will follow you it's not a comparative term to your spouse it's not a comparative term to any other person our righteous standing before God is complete in its totality in the fact that God extends his grace towards us he says like I call you righteous and if God who is right says it, then it's truth. He calls us right. Imagine if it was a term of comparison. In my, in my family, we've got kids of all sizes. It used to be that we had like, you know, tall, grande, and venti. Now we just have all of them. All the sizes. All the sizes. And it's amazing. Imagine if I expected each one of my kids, though in different ages of development, to compare to one another. Imagine to, to withhold praise to a four-year-old because they don't have the vocabulary of a 14-year-old and to say, well, you think that was smart, like, so you know your letters, but, but this, this sibling of yours, they know how to use their letters in math. It's called algebra, and so they're better than you are. But instead, as a father, my, my view towards my, my children individually is that, that they're right, they're in right, then that's the, the view of God towards you and I. He wants us to know and to stand in confidence that we are in right standing before God. If you have your Bible with you, uh, turn to the book of Romans. We're going to start in Romans and then we're going to jump just kind of all over. Start in the book of Romans, if you will. Romans, uh, we'll go into chapter four, all right? Romans chapter four. If you, uh, if you found it, just say, that's right. We're still on a little turkey hangover here. I'll give you a moment. If you didn't bring a Bible, no problem. You have a smartphone. It has a Bible in it. Amazing how that works. You can just type in Romans chapter 4. And uh, if not, I'm going to read it for you anyway. Here we go. Romans chapter 4 and verse 18, it says this, Against all hope, Abraham in hope, 
believed. And so he became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said of him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakness in his faith, he faced the fact that he was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old and his wife Sarah was also old. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And his faith was credited to him as righteousness. Come on, let's, let's just ponder that for a minute. His faith was credited to him as righteousness. In the eyes of God, Faith equals righteousness. In the eyes of God, faith equals righteousness. This story it's referencing, there's a man named Abraham, and in Genesis chapter 15, God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He said, come out of your tent, look at the sky, count the stars if you can, and if you can count the stars, so too you can count the descendants I'm going to give you. And Abraham said, but God, I have no children. And God said, simply believe my promises, because I will not Go back on my promise. I will make you the father of many nations. And then it simply said this, so Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. How do we, how do we stand in right standing before God? Simply this, believe. Believe. To put our faith in Jesus, it positions us to stand in righteousness. We were just reading in Romans about that story, an unwavering belief. Instead of wavering, he stood in confidence. And then it says this in Romans chapter 5. Check it out. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. Can someone say stand? Can someone say stand? Come on. Stand. Stand. This year as we enter into 2019, may we be a people who stand. Not cowering. Not hiding. Not groveling and and as if we've got to be, you know, down in our perspective of self, but standing confidently. There's a, a passage of Scripture that says this. We stand before God's throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because we know we're righteous. Because of our performance? No. Because of our comparative strength? No. Because we're better than everyone else in the room? No. Because there would be no room to ever give us hate mail because we're so flawless? No. We stand in confidence because God keeps his promises. And his promise to you and I is that we are forgiven, that we are in right standing, and our stand informs our walk. Come on, are you with me? The way you stand affects the way You walk. Standing in the confidence that you are in righteousness with God actually allows you to walk with a certain sort of confidence, to walk with a certain sort of of, uh, boldness, that you're not alone, that God's gone before you. We sang about it. He's coming coming up behind you. He's your rear guard. You You can stand in confidence. You've been made righteous in the eyes of God. In fact, Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, he says this, we walk by faith. You know, I've many times pondered this, that it's impossible to walk without falling. 
Like to, to take a step, you can't stand still and walk at the same time. You have to fall forward. That is what a, a step of faith looks like. It's as simple as this, to lean towards what God has called you to do and then take that step. It is a falling forward. It's a falling forward process to walk according to faith. But the way we stand informs the way we walk. You ever notice different people have a unique walk? You can sometimes recognize someone from a distance by the way they walk. I remember the first time someone told me, I was in probably in grade 11, they're like, you strut when you walk. I said, I do not. And then they mimicked back to me how I walk. I said, I walk like that? They're like, that's exactly what you look like in my eyes. And I was like, oh, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Unique walks. My, my kids have unique walks. My daughter Sophie, who's 12, most often is walking around the house like this, on her toes, you know, legs going all over the place. And, and my, my son Arrow most often is walking and flossing at the same time. And he's wiggling. Like, that kid, he can, he can out-eat anyone, but he burns off all those calories just from wiggling. He's just always kind of moving. You know, and then, and then my son Titus, he takes as few steps as he needs to. He's like, I'm just going to find the most direct way from point A to point B, and then I'm going to get there, and I'm going to chill when I get there. That's how he rolls. But the way we stand informs the way that we walk. So we stand in a confidence that we've been made righteous before God, and then we walk according to that faith. We walk head on towards what is ahead. I have no idea what 2019 is going to hold, but I'm ready. Why? Because I'm walking according to faith. I'm not walking by sight. If I were, I would have to see all that's coming before I would have the confidence to move forward. But I'm walking according to faith. I have no idea what it'll hold. I had no idea all the difficulties that 2018 would hold. But when you start it one step at a time, you say, God's going to give me strength for today and hope for tomorrow. I'm just going to keep on taking steps according to faith, all built on the foundational confidence that I'm in right standing before God. My righteousness is not built on my own ability to do well in every occasion. Anyone ever want to do over? You ever just want to do over? Man, you like you wrote a test and you were just having an off day, you had some bad sushi, you're like, no, no, I just, if I could just have a do-over, I wasn't focused right there. Sometimes I, I, I walk into the door of my house, and uh, I bring a little bit of the things I've been thinking about all day long back home with me. Any, any dads ever do this? Any moms ever do this? Any people with no kids ever do this? And your poor roommate, your poor spouse. I walk in home and my, my mind's still going somewhere else. And so I'm kind of half-heartedly greeting those around me. And there are times when, when Jennifer just has to be like, hey, Justin, you need a do-over. You just need to go back. Like, let's just do that again. Sometimes in conversations, we just have a do-over. I've been home for like 40 minutes, and then I'm like, hey, it's great to see you. How's your day been? I just need a do-over because, because I just haven't had the right perspective. You see, according to the righteousness that we have in God, it's new every morning. His mercy towards us is fresh. So we can step into everything with confidence. We don't have to go back and fix every mistake we've ever made because it's covered in the blood of Jesus. We don't have to go back and, 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 and rework and rewire and try again and frustrate over something. We can walk with confidence moving forward in faith according to that foundational righteousness. We're in right standing with God.
I want to tell you, if you're here today and you've put your belief in Jesus, you are righteous. You say, well, pastor, I don't feel righteous. But you are. See, feelings for you and I, I they're good. I think, sometimes we, I think sometimes we're too tough on feelings. I think sometimes we hurt feelings, feelings. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we just, we take it too tough. Like, feelings don't matter at all. Just li- but a person who lives by faith, it's not that they don't feel. It's simply this, that they've chosen to not let their feelings be their GPS, okay? Your feelings are a terrible GPS system. They're constantly rerouting you, and you'll always get there slower, and you'll always find yourself lost. They're a bad GPS system, but feelings are a good dashboard. Feelings are actually a really good dashboard to look and say, you know what? I, I, I know where I'm going in accordance with what God has called me to, the promises he has. That's my GPS that's my, my direction. But my feelings are telling me this. I'm, I'm a little too hot right now. I'm overheated. Like it's not changing where I'm going, but it might change the way I'm going to get there. My feelings are telling me I'm running on empty right now. I'm not at my best. No one's at their best when they're stressed, by the way. I'm just not at my best. I can tell based on my feelings when I look at this dashboard, man, I'm not at my best right now. There's some, some reworking I need to do. There's some regenerating I need to do. There is some, maybe a little checkup that I need to have with my emotions right now. I need some more sleep. I need to drink more water. And I need, you know, I need to eat three normal meals every day. I need to be around people who encourage me. I need to stop watching so much TV. And I need to get out and breathe some fresh air. My feelings are telling me like something's a little bit off right now. I need to stop comparing myself to everyone around me and stop trying to be who I'm not and simply just be myself who God's called me to be because my feelings are telling me something is, is out of line right now. But our feelings aren't our GPS. Faith is. We, we, we walk according to our faith. Let me tell you a little bit about, about righteousness. If you like taking notes, you're going to love this part because i got all sorts of scriptures for you, all right? All right? Awesome. Here we go. Proverbs 21 and 21 says, He who pursues righteousness and love will find life and prosperity and honor. If you pursue righteousness, simply walk according to faith, walk according to the promises that God has given you, then you actually end up gaining life and prosperity and honor. The amazing thing is that if you seek honor, if you seek prosperity, if you seek life, like if it's all, if you're seeking those things, you end up not only missing those, but missing the mark the whole way along the way. There's this one scripture where Paul's talking. He says this. I think it's Romans chapter 14. He says, anything that we do that is not in faith is actually sin. Like whatever we're doing, if it's not based on on that confident faith we have before God, we're doing it in our own strength, and essentially we're missing the mark. Even if we look like we're performing well on the inside, we're missing the mark because we were seeking honor rather than righteousness. But if you live uh, with a pursuit of righteousness, the result will be prosperity and honor and life. Let me show you a couple more verses, some, some of the foundational importances of righteousness. All right, you with me? Proverbs chapter 34 and 15 says, God watches over the righteous, that his ears are attentive to their cry. Why is it so important to live according to righteousness, to stand in this righteousness that God has extended? Because God is attentive to the righteous. 
Not the, the well-meaning, not the well-intended, not the good-performing, not the smartest, strongest, best. He, he's attentive to those who stand confidently in the promise that he's extended righteousness towards us. Number two, the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, and verse 33 says this, Righteousness brings blessing to a home. What an amazing thought that whatever place you live in, wherever you call home, you have the power to change the atmosphere of your home simply by living and standing according to righteousness. This doesn't mean the person who works harder, works better, brings more to the table, they bless their home. It means simply this, to to stand confidently in righteousness will bless the people around you. You know, you'll be a better spouse if you live with that type of confidence that you're standing in righteousness before God, not trying to perform. You'll be a better roommate. You'll be a, a better parent. You'll be a better member of society. You bring blessing to the people around you by confidently standing in your righteousness and then walking according to your faith. Let me give you another one. Book of Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34. It says this, righteousness exalts a nation. What a beautiful thought. That if a group of people were simply to grab hold of the beautiful reality of the gospel, that we've been made righteous before God, not because of performance, but because of grace and extending our faith toward Jesus and it being credited as righteousness, it would actually exalt an entire nation. Like it could shift the economy. It could shift the laws. It could shift the legislation. It could shift the way that we interact with one another. It could shift the ethos of our society to simply grab hold of the grace of God together. You see, as a a church, we, we believe that God has called us to reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. That the, the message of the gospel is inclusive. It's for all to see. That actually could change the way our nation views people of different races, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different, uh, different creeds, different languages, to simply grab hold that this grace is one for all and all for one. It's not because it was earned by a certain group of people or it's linked to someone else's tradition. It is extended towards all humanity for God so loved the world. Righteousness exalts a nation. Check this out. Book of 1 Samuel chapter 26 and verse 23 says this, righteousness brings reward. I don't even know what kind of reward, but righteousness brings reward. Like foundationally, God is is looking to bless you and I. He's always been looking to bless humanity, but he wants those blessings to come as an extension of us knowing he's our provider and not look what I've done. I think like God just holds back, even though he desires to bless when we're in that position, like I have to work harder because God helps those who help themselves. Untrue, God helps people. In fact, I've found God helps helpless people more. God helps the humble. God helps the hopeless. Jesus' heart was always for the least and the last and the lost. So coming to the end of ourselves actually brings reward when we say, oh, I'm, I'm in good standing with God, not because of me. I'm flawed. So imperfect, but God's made me righteous. It positions us for more reward. Proverbs 18 and 10 says this, righteousness provides safety because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. 
2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Righteousness provides honor. Psalms 85 and 10 says, Righteousness attracts peace. In fact, it puts it this way, Righteousness and peace kiss. What a nice little poem. Righteousness and peace. They're so closely connected to one another that they're like close enough to just reach out and give each other a kiss. Righteousness and peace are attracted to one another. You want to you live a life of peace? Stop trying to strive and perform. You'll never live a life of peace if you're living a life of performance. But when you stop and receive the grace of God extended, the righteousness, he says, man, you're close enough to just give peace a kiss. I love that. Let me give you a couple more. Righteousness in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14 promises to protect our heart. It's described as the breastplate of righteousness. The righteousness of God protecting our heart from being swayed. Protecting our heart from being disappointed and discouraged when things don't go the way we thought they might go. Because God's promises prevail even when disappointment comes. It, it protects us, our heart, from being, uh, being leaning into to trying to get the praise of people. Trying to live for the compliments of other people. Because we can actually be protected and know, oh, man, I know who God says I am. Man, people might disagree, but they're wrong. Come on, ponder that for a minute. If people disagree with who God says you are, they're wrong. Start listening to different people. Righteousness protects your heart. Malachi 4.2 says this, righteousness provides healing. Wow. It says this, for those who revere the name of God, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. What a beautiful poetic picture that God's healing is extended towards the righteous. You're like, okay, I got it. Got to perform better or I'll never be healed. No, no, no. Just simply stop and believe that your faith is credited to you as righteousness and you've positioned yourself not only for that righteousness, but all kinds of blessing, honor and prosperity and healing and wholeness and reward because everything we ever receive from God is a gift. Everything we will ever experience in this relationship with God will come as an extension of grace. To be honest, I, I, I probably grew up with a perspective of grace for salvation, but then a thought that I would graduate beyond the need for grace and I would graduate, like that was like the elementary belief. Salvation, of course, I couldn't earn salvation, but everything else in God, is, it comes by earning. Hard work, determination, and perseverance. And I was thinking the other day, I think I, I truly, like if I'm being really honest, I think as a person, I sometimes value discipline more than desperation. It's a, it's, a, it's a sad reality. It was a very sobering revelation that God brought to me earlier last week. I was thinking about, you know, I just got to persevere. I just got to get through. just got to push forward. And, and, and not even stopping to acknowledge weakness and my need for the grace of God in a situation. But simply, I got this. I got this. And it's not going to cause me to, to, to frown. And it's not going to cause me to stop believing. And I'm going to keep pushing forward. And I'm going to keep being stronger. And then God just stopped me and said, man, you're weak. You need me. Man, sometimes prayer is like my last resort. Are you ever with me? 
I'm like, well, it's gotten really bad now. The only thing left to do is pray. Like, why not pray before it gets really bad? <laughs> why not prayer be our first response? I'm like, I've tried every medication. I've tried every possible thing. The only thing left to do is pray. And then we all go, oh, it's that bad? Why not acknowledge our weakness? Man, if God could make me righteous just by an extension of his grace, how could he not also along with Jesus graciously give me all things if I would just understand that the grace I stand on wasn't earned, wasn't deserved? And so why not ask him for healing? Why not ask him for my needs to be provided? Why not ask him to open doors no one can close? Why not ask him to close doors no one else can open? Sometimes I value perseverance more than prayer. Being really honest with you. I, I, mean, I value prayer in others, but when it comes to me, I'm like, you got this. Come on. Like, like I, I pep talk myself in the mirror sometimes. You got this. You, no, God's got this. Man, I, I'm my own worst enemy sometimes. I am pushing myself towards my problems. Come on, Justin, you got this. You can do this. You've done it before. You can do it again. No, God did it before. I was a bystander as God was doing his best work. I, in my weakness, just I got a front row seat while God showed up. And I'm pushing my, you got this. You got, man, righteousness upon which we stand informs faith in which we walk. I want to end with this one scripture. I believe this is God's call for every person in our church this year. It's in the book of Hosea. Maybe the other scriptures you said, those sound interesting. I'll look them up later. But if you have a Bible, turn with me to Hosea, okay? Hosea chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10 and uh, in verse 12. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. I'm going to finish with this today. We're going to pray for some people. Hosea chapter 10. In verse 12, you say, Pastor Justin, that's hard to find. It's right before the book of Joel. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. Check this out. I think this is a word for the people of our church today. Whether you're here in the room today, you're listening later on a podcast, listen to the, the words of this scripture. It says this, so righteousness for yourselves, and reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness upon you. Let me read it one more time. Sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and he showers his righteousness on you. I don't know if there's, there's many people in the room today who have a love for gardening or horticulture of any type. But here in this passage of scripture, it speaks of a principle that is enduring throughout all eternity, the principle of sowing and reaping. Here the, the, the principle is like what you sow, you too will reap. What you plant, you will later reap a harvest of. And here in the book of Hosea, it says plant righteousness 
and then receive all that comes with the, the unfailing love of God. So, so plant in faith, because righteousness is, right? Faith is credited as righteousness. Make decisions based on faith. Plant according to faith. Love according to faith. Someone says, what does faith look like? Faith looks like faithfulness. That's what faith looks like. Abraham did not waver, and he believed for 25 years before the promise that God had made was fulfilled. But he kept on walking in faithfulness. 2019, it'll have its own challenges. But we will prosper to, through 2019 by doing the same stuff. We're just going to walk in faithfulness. going to keep on believing. We're going to keep on praying. We're going to keep on giving. going to keep on going. Keep on stretching our hearts to love. We're going to keep on forgiving even when it's tough. We're going we're gonna to keep on dreaming. We're going to keep on trusting. We're just going to keep on walking in faith. And it says this so righteousness and reap the harvest of unfailing love. God has more in store for you and I than we could ever hope to imagine. But then it says this, plow up the ground of your life. I'm telling you this, the, the, the seed of righteousness is potent. It's powerful. The seed of faith to walk according to the faith that, 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 that God has made available to us, it's powerful. It brings a huge harvest. And we're not responsible for how powerful that is. God was, but we are responsible for the condition of our heart. So it says this, plow up the ground in your life so it's ready. And then God's going to shower down that seed. So I think there's probably three types of groups of people here. And speaking of ground that needs to be plowed, number one, there's probably a group of people who have never softened your heart towards God. You, the ground of your life has always been hard. It's just always been tough. In your own processes and in, in mindsets, you're like, I just have to be a good person. I'm trying to be good. It's just it's that hard heart. Man, no one is righteous enough. Soften your heart enough to believe that God loves you and that's why he forgives you, not because you tried hard. Number two, there's a group of people who the, the ground of your life has been trampled. It, had, it used to be soft, but life has just trampled you. It used to be soft, but situations, man, they've just ground you down, beaten you up. And what was once a soft heart, maybe like, man, back when I was a teenager, I had this soft heart towards God. I believed he could use me. I wanted to share my faith, but life just took it out of me. You say, oh, pastor. I mean, some of those were my decisions. Okay. Then there's other people like, hey, well, those weren't my decisions. Okay. Whatever it was, it just trampled you down. But you and I can still take authority in this moment and say, I want to soften my heart again towards God. It was disappointment. It was failure. Discouragement. So someone came in and just sideswiped you. Life got really crazy and you just got beaten down. The Bible calls you and I plow up your heart. Get it soft again. Position yourself again for God to bless you. And there's a group of people, a third group of people, you know, you know what? I've, I've, I've had my best year thriving right now. Well, you know, there's another harvest coming. 
and after you harvest, then you till it up for another, you do it again. So no matter who you are, you're, you fall in one of those groups. Either your heart has always been hard, it grew hard through trampling, or you're just coming off a season of, of harvest, and then we're going to get ready for another one. We're going to do it again. Whatever position we find ourselves in, the word of the Lord to you and I is get your heart ready. Get your heart ready. Get your heart ready. Get your heart ready by faith. Get your heart ready. Because I want to give you a harvest that is in accordance with my unfailing love towards you. So get your heart ready. How do we start 2019 off right? We get our hearts ready. How do we get our hearts ready? By coming back to that simple reality. God extends his grace towards you and I and we receive it by faith. It's amazing that God would grant us faith and then say, whew, that faith looks good. God responds to the faith that he gave us to give back to him. May he really is too good to be true. The grace of God is beyond our understanding. That's why, why Paul could say, man, God, his love for us, it's high, it's wide, it's long, it's deep. I want you to know a love that surpasses knowledge and reap a harvest according to that unfailing love. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.